You are listening to a recording from the Melting Pot Discussion Forum, which took place in July 2022 in Ostrava during the Colours of Ostrava Festival. The first person I would like to invite is uh, John Moravets, who is, please John, come to, to me and take a place. I believe that John will introduce after a while himself, but uh, what I know about John, he's really interested in knowledge. Uh, he calls himself nomad, which is a very interesting word, uh, innovation itself. So I believe that John will, in the beginning, introduce uh, who is he. And uh, the second guest who will be joining our session is Daniel Prokop, very well known uh, Hello. person. Uh, we know Daniel from the company Median, but uh, what I'm very much interested about his view on the future because he wrote also three books. One of the books, Lepez Courtney, uh, was very popular. He was talking about the disbalance in education, the risks for the future coming in the community when we are working with misinformation about democracy development. So. Uh, gentlemen, please sit down because we will be discussing approximately 45 minutes the, the future of education, the future of work. So first I would like to ask John if you can introduce yourself quickly, then we then I ask uh, uh, Daniel. Uh, yeah, well, so thank you for the introduction, and it's it's kind of weird introducing myself because we're just having a conversation here, so I'm not even sure what to say to introduce myself. But uh, I'm John Moravets. Um, you know, I first came to this country 30 years ago this summer, actually. It was, it was interesting. I was, I was a nerd, uh, a nerdy kid, you know, a super skinny nerdy kid. Uh, I thought I was going to have an IT career, maybe work in this guy building Siri. Um, but... No, I, I landed uh, at Ruzinia. There are guys there greeting me with the uh, AK-47s. It's, everything is so old because it was the last year of CSFR. And I got shipped on a bus to Ordeov. And it was a really interesting time because I studied at the gymnasium of Ordeov. And the, the culture, the structure, the, the control that I think maybe we'll talk a little bit here today was very apparent. And it made me realize similar things within my own system, this sort of intercultural experience. So I went really from being this, this nerdy uh, technic, uh, technical kid to something that's really interested in human systems. Because as humans, we're so much more complex. There's so many more mysteries. So I went on more school, then I got a PhD, and became an education futurist. So it means I'm just not just uh, curious about the future of education, but the jobs that we need to have in the future, and then what we need to train for. And that's really been driving my thinking. Thank you. And then I would like to ask also Daniel to introduce quickly himself. Uh, so in terms of education and, and the future, uh, I focus mostly on inequalities uh, in education meaning inequality in educational opportunity, how uh, uh, it's being described in, in the US and England, uh, and the fact that in Czech Republic, uh, the, uh, your chances in education is very, very uh, structured by uh, and determined where you, where you were born and in which family you are born and so on. So in our uh, in, in our company, which is called uh, Peck Research, we are focusing on this issue and we are trying to describe it and provide some data. What, what are the causes uh, of this problem in Czech Republic, which I think uh, very much influence uh, the very topic of our uh, talk, because to be a successful <laughs> dreamer, nerd, and creative person, you need to have some uh, chance to develop uh, yourself in early on in, in the education. And, and uh, we lose quite a lot of talents uh, in very early stages of education. So that's what, I, what we focus on in education. Uh, and uh, I co-wrote uh, the strategy 2030, uh, the part about the inequalities. 
and we do uh, we try to do uh, many interactive projects which you might know like uh, map of vzdelávání CZ where you can find the data about your region um, uh, in terms of education and social problems and also we focus on social problems which are very much connected with the education in Czech Republic but uh, because I have this uh, new project, new company, I'm, uh, I have many colleagues which are focused more on the content of education and more on the topics which, which John, I think, uh, talks about a lot. So, uh, so I think it uh, fits well. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Well, it's very interesting word, nomad, which you created, in fact, for your profile. Uh, I know who are nomads, uh, which is basically people migrating and I met a lot of nomads in the northern part of Russia, for example, who have a certain style of living. But I would be very much interested if you can introduce what do you mean with nomad and what you are really uh, interested, what is your subject, what you would like to share with all of us. Um, so nomads was an idea that kind of came to me about 20 years ago, just really trying to project what the future of work is going to be. Um, and I think that in this city, I think people saw it, that if you're going to grow up being, you're training to become a steel worker, you're expected to have a job as a steel worker and retire as a steel worker, have a pension, all this stuff, or for teachers or whatever roles you have. But the world was changing so much industries are disappearing, new jobs are being created, that there's a real need for sort of, sort of mobility. Uh, mobility and the kind of work that we take on. Um, and so in towns where the industrial complex shuts down, people are forced to do that. Now, a nomad is a knowledge nomad. So it's a person, uh, creative, uh, uh, creative person who can work with just about anybody, anytime, and anywhere. Right? So we all have individual knowledge. This all stems from our individual experiences, right? We, we can go to the same school, we can still take the same courses, but we come out knowing different things. And this individual level knowledge is what makes us unique and helps us create value as we traverse through different roles or gigs. So they're really context workers. So it's really asking what sort of value can I add into, this, into a conversation that, that we're having now. And if you're in a position where you could possibly be replaced by technology or uh, by, by other people replicating what you do, it's usually time to move on and add new value to another organization. And that's really the root behind the, the nomad thing. But I also saw on the program for sure that somebody wrote down a nomad is somebody who's mad about knowledge, right? They love learning. And I think that's also correct. That's not my definition, uh, but I really like that because it really reflects that learning doesn't stop and end at certain times in our life. We're always, we're always continuing to learn. We're always continuing to grow. And I think that a huge part of this is finding ways to make this visible for all of us. Thank you. Thank you for uh, explaining this, this interesting word. Maybe, Daniel, um, you said that the education very much depends also on where we were born, in which family, that we have different access. I have experiences with several educational systems. In 1992, that's exactly 30 years ago, I finalized the Technical University in Brno, here in the Czech Republic. Then I started business and I understood that I don't understand at all the finance. So I went to the United States, to the university in Chicago, and I did my MBA there. And I arrived to Chicago and I was very much surprised because there was a completely different educational concept. It was like teaching a child to swim. When I was a very young child, they just throw me to the water and swim. And I didn't get any preparation, nothing. And it was like in the United States, I was surprised that the professor don't tell me anything. They say, you should study that first and then we can discuss and resolve a certain problem. At the Czech the educational system, it was a very classical system, which was probably post-communistic, uh, maybe, maybe not, but we were learning a lot of text, we were learning a lot of theories, and we had to repeat those texts and, and memorize a lot of things. And I was really lucky because I have a possibility to memorize pictures. So I was able to scan, and I measured that even, 300 pages per day, 
and I could memorize that for three days. So my exams should be in the next three days, otherwise I don't manage. So that was my experience between the differences in, in different educational uh, systems. What do you think about the Czech system now, Daniel? How do you see the, the, the pros and cons and where we should go? Well, you touched a very interesting topic, uh, which we might discuss, and uh, the topic of knowledge. I think when you hear this uh, talks about changing education, you know, it's all very often focused on that there's too much facts, too much knowledge, and uh, we should focus on uh, competences and, and, and other issues and so on. I partially agree with that, although, uh, many research from abroad shows that the knowledge is actually important, but it's not uh, knowledge how we teach it. It's not uh, uh, thousands of uh, particle facts. It's uh, knowledge which you have deeply uh, in your deep memory or long-term memory, and you can connect it with another parts of knowledge. And this, this type of knowledge, according to many researchers, actually allows you to teach uh, more, to have critical thinking. So knowledge and facts, are I, I don't think they are in opposition to critical thinking and so on, which I think sometimes it's uh, interpreted like that in the Czech education field, that there is some you know opposition of the facts, knowledge, and critical thinking and so on. I think uh, some well-rooted knowledge, and uh, uh, which is rooted in the context, is necessary for critical thinking and so on. But Czech education uh, quite often focus on the, the amount of the knowledge, and as you said, the memorizing and so on. And uh, as I understood, you your experience was from University of Chicago, from the you know, and I think one of the problems of Czech education is that. Uh, on the university level, I think it should be, like you say, you know, there should be more independence. There should be, I think it, it, we should focus on the, uh, on some results, you know, and so on. Because Czech universities sometimes, uh, they kind of, uh, they are financed by the student, you know, so they don't focus on the results so much. But we have very selective and very, um, uh, let's say, elitist uh, schooling before that. So I think the problem of Czech education is that uh, we kind of sort kids and you know focus on their results very early on. We have a lot of high stakes tests which divide them and so on. We get these kids uh, f through different education uh, lanes. One of them is fast, one of them is uh, slower and worse. And we, we connect them together on the university. And what you see is that the kids who goes through the worst uh, education lanes, they don't go to gymnasiums, I mean, they don't, don't go to general high schools, they go to some specialized high schools. They have much higher probability that they will fail on the universities. So we have a system which is very selective, very, uh, very uh, elitist on the beginning, and then it kind of like resigns on uh, the results in, in a phase where I think we should be much more oriented on like uh, getting the best from the people and so on. You know. So that's, uh, and sometimes we think this is effective, you know, to sort the kids and be selective on very early on and then connect it together at the end, you know. And I think it's absurd idea which would never work in any business, you know, to, uh, it should be a funnel. It should be a funnel, but we uh, do the funnel in the beginning we kill the potentials on the beginning, and then we don't have enough base to build uh, the, uh, the enough, uh, you know, on, on the final stages. And I, this is a metaphor, but I think this is a problem in uh, many fields in Czech Republic, this early selectivity, you know. And when you focus on things like Aizoki, you know, it's also uh, harmed by the lack of the basis from which you can build the, the, the elite, you know. So I think, to sum it up, we are in society where we need uh, more than 10, 15% of uh, very educated people and who cares about the rest, you know. We need uh, general education for uh, as much people as possible because we don't know what will, what will happen in 20 years, as John said. And Czech education is not prepared for this because it's uh, it's prepared for the for the society where you have 10, 15 percent of highly educated people, and then the rest is uh, kind of limited by early stages of the education. And I think to do this second transformation of the economy, which we talk about, we have to change this uh, uh, approach and try to get as much from the kids uh, when when we can, which means in preschool, in primary school, and so on. 
Okay, it was interesting because I have one experience from the from the business practice here in the Czech Republic. I was looking for new employees among students at the medium technical school not far from here in, in Opava, and I could hear one entrepreneur uh, screaming on, on the teacher, and, and he's telling to the teacher, please don't teach these students programming because there will be very expensive workers. <laughs> and uh, I was just looking at it, but that's, that's basically uh, another subject, but I would like to ask you, John, what do you see as the biggest challenge of today? Because we are in the technology era. The technologies are influencing our lives. We are living in dual system. That means we have digital world. We have exponentially growing technologies. And even, let's say, the operators, the workers, need high qualifications, much higher than, than 30, 20 years ago. So we need to change something. What do you think is the biggest challenge, not only in the Czech Republic, but globally, because these technologies are spread globally? Well, I think you really, with your example, I think you really tapped onto it. I think there's a real need for critical thinking, that you're able to push logic like that. It's like the cigarette agency telling parliament you could save money in healthcare expenses, but if everybody smoked and died early. Like, <laughs> it's just rid ridiculous thinking that, that really cuts out in critical thinking. And these are you know, part of a broader set of skills that over the last 10 years really called 21st century skills. And it's not so much about hard knowledge, but a lot more about the soft knowledge or having the capability to, to learn continuously. And so I think what we need to do is find ways to empower each other to learn continuously, um, but, but also respond back in, in ways where we can communicate effectively, where you don't have one crazy person hijacking a conversation, where we can engage in civil discourse, civil society, where we can work with our ideas in context. And that requires a higher level of thinking. And so much of the, the formal education system is really built to prevent that. Maybe not, maybe not on purpose, but at least on accident. You mean even in, in the US? Even in the U.S. I mean, so, I mean, in the Czech Republic, uh, kids have to decide what they want to be when they're 14 years old, right? And you take a test to decide what you want to be. And then you're told either you can do that or you're, you can't do something. It's always you can't. So you're filtered through. United States, it's a little more general, but still you need to figure out what you want to do by the time you hit university or you start working. The opportunities to, to improve are a lot less. Now, one of the things that we, that we do very well in the United States, though, is that everybody always has a second chance. So if you screw up in school, there's always a second chance to find another way uh, to, to build academic skills that are, that are either recognized or not recognized, too. So that's, that's a nice thing, but we can improve a whole lot more. Maybe uh, one question to Daniel. We are talking about inequalities. Um, well, it's probably normal uh, in the United States that there are very big differences between rich people and poor people. What we can see, especially during the last years, that, that the number of really poor people in Central Europe and also in Czech Republic is growing. Because a lot of people are not able, let's say, to enter the newly changed world. A lot of small businesses and also a lot of people uh, were thinking really that they will be still working till the end of the life, but now they have to requalify two, three times per, per life. Uh, that means this permanent lifelong learning system is, is in place. But what do you think, Daniel, what we should do in order to really involve also these people who are getting out of the, let's say, mainstream and, and becoming poorer and poorer? And of course, they create also danger for the democracy and social, let's say, peace. So first of all, my wife is from uh, the US, from Ohio. and. Uh, so we have some friends that it's a very poor city from Ohio. And I, I have a friend who is very successful, successful dentist and she grew up in trailer park, you know. And uh, you can think about it, do you know anybody who will be successful dentist or doctor or something like that and grew up in a trailer park or, or think like that in Czech Republic? I don't know anybody like that and I don't know anybody who knows anybody like that. So it tells you something about the Czech education system. This girl, she went to normal, uh, good elementary school, normal middle school, normal high school, you know, and she kept in touch with the middle class. In Czech Republic, she will be on the uh, sideline from the very beginning, you know. So I think up to high school, 
the American uh, education system is more equal than Czech one, then it uh, starts, you know, the selection by the high cost of the uh, universities and so on, as you as you said. But what, what we should do, uh, I think. I don't have any uh, illusions that uh, these people can be uh, requalified. Some of them can be requalified to be IT experts, but it's uh, dozens, maybe you know. Uh, so I think we. Uh, and, uh, your opinion would be interesting. I need. I think we need some new industries in these regions. Uh, regions like the Germans, you know, they invest in uh, green industries in Saxon and so on. So we need some new uh, new types of jobs for the for these people in the regions where the coal and the industry is fading and so on, uh, and maybe part of them can requalify to work in the IT or in services and so on. But it doesn't happen in ten years. This change, you know, and then we have to change the education. I think there should be much more uh, and of course high quality uh, general high school education. In some regions, only 30% of kids uh, goes to uh, the grammar schools. Majority of them goes to highly specialized schools, and they are learning uh, jobs which might not exist in 20, 30 years. And so I think it should be more uh, the knowledge which they get on the high schools. It might be the grammar schools, it might be the, the, the technical schools. It should be more general. And uh, from my perspective, uh, from my uh, company or research company, it's uh, much more valuable if they know, well, let's say Microsoft Excel, than some special skills, you know, because these general things you use everywhere, you know, and I think it might be the similar in some other fields, you know, that there are some general skills which help you develop yourself and, uh, and be uh, able to learn more and change your careers and so on. So, um, the, the, the over-specialization of Czech uh, upper secondary uh, education, which means Učilišťa and Středil Borné školy, I think uh, is a problem and we have to change it. And uh, it has many impacts, like one of, it's my last uh, point, one of the impact that there is not enough places in the good grammar schools in the Čtyrletá gymnázia is that many parents want to enter these eight years grammar schools and get kids from the uh, from the normal schools because it's kind of like first uh, chance which uh, gives you certainty that you go to university. So why don't you use this like first chance if there is limited access then in the ninth grade, you know. So I think what we need to do is do very, very uh, broader and chances for good quality of the gen uh, general uh, uh, upper secondary education. John, can you? Yeah, add? I just want to add on real quick. I because because we get into it, what Daniel is talking about and the the real challenge with uh, with kids who are poor, uh, challenged by social economic status. Um, I think that our approach in education globally, uh, whether it's from uh, various ministries. Uh, down to international organizations with the UN system, et cetera, they're working on improving uh, education for the disadvantaged or girls' education in some of the, the world's poorest countries. We try to control a conversation. We try to control what they're doing. And the big reason is because we're using public money, right? We're using, and there needs to be accountability. We have to ask a question, well, are they learning? Right? And so we wind up controlling the education process just so we can measure at the very end if we think that, that, that we're spending their money wisely. So we're not really measuring what, what kids know, we're measuring how well kids can, can answer a test in, in many cases. And this doesn't attend to this sort of, this individual level knowledge creation where we just really need to allow kids to learn, right? Kids, and especially in the Czech Republic, aren't afforded agency. Right? It's very hierarchical, top-down, and agencies being allowed to do what you want to do, in a way. Or the system supports you to, to go off and learn. And the other aspect, I think, would be self-efficacy, which is really believing in yourself that, that you can do it, right? So I think that when you have high agency, high self-efficacy, uh, we kind of hit this nirvana point, right? Where, where kids are supported, kids are learning, but too often we have a very low agency. In the United States, we have low agency too. But for whatever reason, I think it's a cultural reason, uh, 
we have a high level of self-efficacy. That is, kids learn despite their schooling, right? They, they find, their, find the ways to, to do things and make it visible and uh, create new opportunities from it. That's interesting. You mentioned that we need some new industries in order to change also the, the educational uh, system. I think it's kind of chicken-egg story at this moment because I do believe that the Czech industries and I don't mean just the industry, but also the services sector, is influencing the educational system as well. I mentioned one example of the businessman who doesn't want to have highly qualified people because it's too expensive at the end. But that's probably problem of the structure of our industry because we have a lot of assembling lines, we have a lot of small added value production lines, we are producing spare parts for the global corporations, but we have no final or very limited number of final products with very high added value. So this, this business uh, leaders, they, they push also the educational system in order to have what I call the people who are able to push the green or red button but not to have really the, the knowledge which at the end will be replaced by robots or autonomous systems. Uh, so I'm not saying that everybody is doing that because we have a lot of businesses who are starting their own schools because they are not satisfied with the Czech state system, let's say. Uh, but, but I still feel that it's like a chicken egg story that both sides or maybe three sides need to have the same goal to change the system. It starts with mothers. It starts with because mothers are influencing the future education in the Czech Republic of their kids the most. Then it's friends, then it's maybe also other family members. Uh, but it's also is influenced by the local community because the, the local politicians, they decide where to put the money into the educational system because Czech educational system is fully publicly paid. It's free of charge, mostly. There are some private schools. But it also starts from businesses because we as business people, we need to recognize that we need to invest into education as well. Uh, we talk maybe now for 30 years about so-called dual systems so that the children, they are learning in companies, they are learning in jobs, on the job learning. Uh, but if you start to talk with business people how much you are willing to invest into this system, you find very little number of people who are willing to put their money because they say it should be paid by the government, but the government is not able to arrange this new system. So uh, if I look at this globalization and deglobalization, localization of economy on a global level, I think we should also ask, John, how do you see the change in your system because the, the technological leaders like Google, like Facebook, like all these other high-tech companies and the giants uh, influencing the global digital economy are in the United States very often. It's not only the Silicon Valley, it's also the other, other states in the States. But how did this wave of technology firms change the educational system in your country because we are now let's say, feeling the same wave of new digital economy coming to, to our, let's say, also Ostrava region. How did it change your educational system? Oh boy, I honestly, I don't think anything's really changed. Um, we, I think we talk about change a whole lot more. I think we have more of a vocabulary of talk about change. We talk about science, technology, and engineering, arts, and mathematics, but when you ask, and everybody's like, well, who's against that, right? It's like saying, who doesn't like creativity, right? But the question really should be, what do we need to do differently that we're not already doing? And this is where everybody's falling short in answers. Now, these tech companies, because we're not producing the talent that they need or enough of it, they're importing people. I mean, we're a country of immigrants, but they're bringing people on consulting contracts uh, from India or South Asia uh, to, to come and work at these companies and do highly technical work. And I'm sure they, they pay less or whatever, but it's, it's really interesting that we can't find our own talent to be able to lead that. But on the other hand though, uh, kids are coming out and taking on different roles outside of the, the, the tech stuff, more in the service uh, sector, uh, cert, across various services, the experience economy, working to build that stuff. So doing a lot of the, the, the conceptual work around it, but not doing the, the hard tech work. And that's a, it's a very interesting uh, situation that we're in. Thank you. Um, 
There was one word very interesting for me, creativity. That's, I think, something where we have a lot of potential in the Czech educational system. What do you think, Daniel? You mean the potential to increase it, <laughs> right? Uh, I agree with John that the, the problem of uh, Czech education is lack of uh, some kind of lack of autonomy and self-efficacy. Uh, and the testing you talked about, uh, I'm not against uh, some low-stakes testing, you know, to see how the schools are coping and so on. But we have, we have high-stakes tests which are used to kind of shape the ways to education, and we don't know. We don't even have any data from that because uh, we don't we don't collect data about you know the students' social background. So we can't use these testing by Cermat and by you know the maturity and so on. We cannot even use it to change the education system and to kind of analyze you know what are the problems and so on. So that's uh, even more absurd than in the US, I think, uh, that the quality of the test is worse than SATs and ACTs. But we don't even collect this data to use these, uh, you know, to use them to, uh, to, to improve the education system, you know. So uh, that's uh, quite horrible. Creativity, uh, I think there should be more space in the Czech curriculum because it's very overwhelmed in the especially in the second, uh, in the middle school. Uh, so there should be more space in the curriculum and uh, more space for creativity already, you know. And uh, I think, but I think the more important than to reduce the curriculum, which is the, the main topic in Czech discussion, is to have some story behind each, each subject. So for example, in Finland, uh, the chemistry, uh, as far as I know, is taught on the topics, you know. So you, you, you are learning about climate change and you are learning how the carbon things works, you know, on this subject. You are learning about body and you are learning the, uh, the, the chemical things on the, on the real issues. And I think it's more important to find the stories behind the subjects which actually make sense and can uh, support this creativity. Uh, and it's more, and I think you can have the hard uh, knowledge uh, behind that uh, and uh, it will work even with the hard knowledge, but it, there has to be the story behind each, each subject to kind of make some sense of it, you know. And then it allows for creativity much more than if you just overwhelm it with the, with the hard knowledge without the story, you know. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> we are talking about the system. We are talking about the feedback from the data, uh, which we are missing in the Czech system. But we didn't talk too much about the competencies of the, of the teachers of the future. So maybe, John, can you say your view on the competencies of teachers? Because I think this is a very important part of the system, the teacher itself. You know, in every country, the required competencies are different. So in some countries, they're just hoping teachers show up for work, right? That's like the first one, show up. Um, but the, I, I think, this is, and this is where it gets really difficult because the competencies that teachers need are the same ones that students need to develop to be able to be creative, to be able to contextualize knowledge, to be able to work across disciplines. Um, and you know what, this is a lot of work because you're, you are in front of kids, you're doing instruction or co-instruction, uh, cooperative activities, whatever. It takes a lot, of, a lot of work, a lot of energy. So what we need are some support systems so that teachers can do their job better, uh, whether it's through technologies or uh, with, with aids in the classroom or teachers and students co-creating together. But I think that we need to open up some spaces for experimentation with that and just really see what happens. And what we really need to focus on then is facilitating the process and not being so concerned about the outcomes. Because uh, otherwise, we're all competing to see who looks best on the OECD PISA scores, and it's like competing to be the best-looking kid in an ugly family, right? I mean, it's like, well, what can we produce that goes beyond that? Because as Daniel is saying, that measurement part shouldn't be your focus. That's an accountability piece for finance. But really, though, what can we create, and how can we celebrate it? Okay. Daniel, what do you think about the future profile of the teacher about the competencies of Czech teachers you in see, the future? Uh, you see, I'm even like a little bit more skeptical than John and a little bit more conservative in terms of education. So I think the PISA is actually quite okay. And you see uh, uh, from the PISA test, which are focused on some functional literacies, that Czech kids 
even the Czech kids who have like uh, uh, A's, you know, and so on on the uh, in the schools, they fail in these uh, tests of the functional literacy, you know. And you see that the the grades in Czech schools are there's a new study which shows that 25% uh, of the kids who have uh, C's, troiky, uh, uh, in school in math are actually better in the in the math in PISA when you have to use it in some actual problems than 25% of the kids who have A's on the on the at schools you know so this grading system in Czech Republic is even a, a little bit worse than the PISA and it actually shows the study by IDA that uh, it kind of kills the self-efficacy if you are graded worse than is your abilities and so on that's a uh, interesting there's another level of this uh, influence of uh, uh, overgrading and overtesting in Czech, within Czech schools. It's not only about the PISA, but there's so many tests, which kind of, uh, there's so many tests, and so, uh, and I'm getting back to your questions. I think if, uh, the teachers should maybe focus less on the testing and focus more on get, on getting feedback from the students if they actually got uh, the uh, the content within the, uh, the class itself, you know. The error feedback to kind of uh, do the follow up and uh, to allow the uh, more students to catch up and so on, you know. So that's one thing to to have the, this responsive and formative uh, uh, teaching, which I think can be done in. Uh, and, and quite traditional ways. It doesn't have to be only, uh, you know, destroying the frontal uh, frontal teaching. I think even within the frontal teaching, there could be much more responsivity and getting feedback if they got the knowledge and so on, if they actually understand it and so on. So that's one thing which I think should be changed in Czech education. And the second thing is when you see the data uh, like TALIS, which is a survey among teachers, you can see that the Czech teachers have very low self-efficacy in the trend, uh, motivating uh, kids who are not motivating from their family. And uh, they are not taught uh, how to teach kids which are not motivated from their families. And they lack this uh, competence uh, in uh, their teaching careers. And I think we, we should focus on this much more on the on the, the the universities they study the teachers, and we should focus on changing this idea. When I when we talk with teachers, you often hear you know it's from the family. You know you cannot uh, you know uh, change the family, and sometimes the family is the unit of the education in Czech Republic. And I think we should change that. It should be the kid you know who is the the unit of the education. You know, and if uh, if he's not motivated from the family, you have to do much. Uh, as much as possible uh, to change it in the school, you know. And on the positive note, I think in this region, in, in Moravskoslavsky Kraj, there's many regions where it's it's uh, working much better than in, in some other parts of Czech Republic. So on this Mapozdelavani.cz, you can see that many regions like Krnov and other regions from the for, from the Moravskoslavsky Kraj, uh, the number of the, of the kids who are failing in school is much lower than you would expect from the social problems in the region. In Ustetsky Karolarsky Kraj, it's on the other hand much higher the number of the people uh, who is failing. And not only in these regions, Karlovarsky is actually how it should be. How, uh, you know, we have some prediction from the social problems and Karlovarsky is how it should be. Ustetsky is sometimes worse, but some regions like uh, Pozinsky Kraj is much worse than it should be in the results of the, of the kids. So on the positive, uh, <laughs> Note, many regions within Moravskoslavsky uh, Kraj uh, are learning and doing quite good job how to cope with these uh, social problems. And I think one of the tools is to keep some co community, you know. Uh, sometimes it's church, sometimes it's some um, uh, leisure activities and involving these kids in leisure activities. And that's maybe one of the keys how uh, this region, even it has some uh, big social problems, can actually cope with them much better than some other parts of the Czech Republic. Okay, uh, let's say part of the system is teachers, uh, but what I see now, it's also the technological change. And uh, it's not only in the industry and services, but we can also use modern technologies in teaching. So what, what do you think as the opportunity maybe the advanced uh, uh, 
virtual reality systems and, and other things. How do you see the use and the combination of new technologies to improve and maybe to individualize the, the educational system, as Daniel said, because there might be some slower students and maybe these technologies can help them. What's, what's your view on the future of, of technologies to be used in the education? I mean, we're using new technologies to do the same old shit, and that's the biggest problem, that we're using it to replicate bad practices. We're not using technologies to enable new practices. And that's a real challenge, I think. Um, I, in the past couple of years, I've been working a lot with online learning systems, learning management systems, and they're all the same. They all have different, different brands, different, uh, different uh, uh, source codes, uh, but they all really deliver the same way. It's this top-down, watch movie, take a test kind of thing. And it's horrible. It doesn't, it doesn't, you don't get any sort of creative interaction. Everything that you learn in there is pre-programmed. So I don't know if we're really opening opportunities for learning. We're using it for information delivery. The learning part's up to the student, but these tools right now aren't connected with building knowledge, right? And I think that one of the things that we really need to figure out is understanding the differences between data, information, knowledge, creativity, innovation, right? Because data are bits and pieces here and there which we form information. We can deliver information through Moodle or any other LMS. But knowledge building is about taking this information and creating personal meaning out of it, right? You create knowledge and you ride a bicycle, right? Uh, it's, it's hard to communicate, that's, that's tacit knowledge, but you get some explicit knowledge, but you combine these two forms together, you got personal knowledge that makes us, that makes us real special as individuals, right? And then we act on it, right? Through creativity, create innovations out of it, new outcomes, intentional outcomes. And I think that we really need to parse out the differences from this and really think about, as a starting point, how can we use technologies to help form knowledge? Because we're just, we're just schlepping information. Okay. Uh, Daniel, what is your view on? Well, in the Czech Republic, I think the, the, the main uh, thing we got from the using technology in schools is that during COVID-19 uh, closures, we actually found out that the kids are not participating in schools because you don't see it in normal education that they are not uh, you know, paying attention, they are not actually there. And when they don't connect with the computers, you can actually see it, you have the data. And it kind of, we started to uh, like focus on this issue. Uh, so that was the main, I think, benefit of the technology, not directly education, but actually finding out that uh, some part of the kids are actually not uh, in the schools, you know. Uh, but. Uh, I'm not an expert on the using technology in schools and, and, and so on. One thing I think is that sometimes we are focusing on some very specific uh, type of knowledge and competence like, let's say, uh, the media literacy, media gramotnost. And in the Czech uh, society and among the young people, it's limited by some so-called prerequisites for these uh, type of competences. So when you have... Uh, 25% uh, of kids, it's around 25, with very low literacy, reading literacy at, uh, at age of 15, you cannot teach them good media literacy, you know. When you cannot understand uh, written text and make some sense of it, you know, then you cannot uh, be taught media literacy. So I think we should kind of uh, get back to the proper basis uh, and teach good reading, for example, good reading literacy in schools. And it's the same with math. I think you can do some like very special things if you don't have the good um, uh, basic mathematical skills. And it's not, not about the, you know, memorizing the functions, you know, and writing them, <laughs> writing them down in the test and then forgetting about them, you know, but about the real like functional literacy in these things. So I think, uh, I'm a little bit scared uh, or afraid of the change of the curriculum, you know, which focuses on these like new competences, you know, which uh, seems to be modern, but they are also very special, uh, very specialized, you know, and and we are forgetting that, uh, you know, uh, it's uh, 
20-25% of the kids don't have good uh, reading uh, skills and they cannot make some sense from the text, you know, at age of 15. So I think we should get back to these like basic uh, uh, founding uh, things in the education. I just want to add on real quick. I think since you brought up the pandemic, this is thankfully we've gone what 45 minutes into this, and nobody's mentioned pandemic yet. So um, I feel like uh, we're reaching the end. But um, one of the changes I had to make during the pandemic was I had to shift what I do for work, and so I wound up doing a lot of consulting for a UN agency, United Nations agency, and uh, they fund all sorts of projects around the world. But because the learning that kids are doing is not visible they announced there's this huge learning loss. And I'm like, no, the only thing kids do is learn, right? But the, the difference is, what are, we, are we controlling what they learn? Are we directing their attention to what to learn? And, uh, and then the whole measurement question. So I, I think that we have to find ways to make these invisible ways that the kids learn, that we learn, and find ways to make them more visible, right? Put, make the education system less visible and put the kids more in the, in the forefront. Okay, so what, in fact, what you are saying, we should come to the basics. I think the learning loss is interesting because we, are, we, we did only a survey which kind of uh, tried to Calculate the learning loss, you know, you, 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 would, you would like that. And the learning loss in Czech Republic wasn't huge. It was like, uh, you know, uh, losing three months of education during whole COVID, you know. And one thing why it wasn't that huge, like in some other countries, that we used, we repeated some tests, which were actually not so much uh, focused on the knowledge. It was used on these functional literacies, you know, in math and reading and so on. And... Uh, the loss in these uh, type of literacies wasn't that huge as we expected. And when you do curve, you know how there is a curve uh, or some chart, uh, how many months the school were closed and what was the learning loss. When you put it on the chart, uh, our uh, testing was that the learning loss wasn't that huge in the fifth grade as it, sh it should be uh, because you know it was closed for 10 months and so on. But that was because uh, we used tests which were f uh, focused on these functional literacies, you know, uh, doing some uh, math problems uh, from the real world and uh, reading things, which actually <laughs> kind of shows that the Czech schools perhaps are not so much focused on this because uh, the learning course wasn't so, uh, <laughs> so big as we would expect, right? I mean, it maybe says something about the Czech schools, you know, that we focus on some formal, very formal types of knowledge and not on uh, developing these skills. That's, in fact, again, discussing the, the effectivity of our system, that we are not working with the feedback. Uh, uh, John, you said that we should not really exploit uh, the, the technologies, but we should focus on good educational concepts. That's what you said. But how can we recognize the good educational concept if we don't work with the feedback? If we don't realize that there is a data saying that something works well, something works less. What, what's your feedback? What, how do you use feedback in, in your concepts? Well, I look at it from a policy perspective, more of a systems perspective. Um, and to, from my perspective, at least with public education, that we're so afraid of failing that we don't try changing anything. And so what happens is that we all fail together <laughs> is really the outcome in a weird way. Um, I'm not a big proponent of private education, but I would like to see schools behave more like startups or operating in their own way, finding, the, finding their own way and trying these things out and sharing with each other experiences in a broader network. Um, and not worrying so much about destroying kids' lives. Um, because right now everybody's going in together, but if we find ways to diversify what we do, maybe we can start finding ways. And I think that's really key. And how does a community define itself? How does a neighborhood define itself, right? How does a region define itself? I think that we can, I think that we can really start to attend to that as a much more complex system rather than something that's so tightly controlled and regulated. Okay, thank you. If you look at the Czech situation, many parents are now looking for 
opportunities to get out of this mainstream system because we see the Montessori concepts, we see other, other let's say, more creative, more free concepts of education. What, what's, how do you see this trend? Is it something you support or what, what's your opinion on that, Daniel? Well, the, 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 there is some uh, running uh, study which does segments of parents, you know, this one is the uh, creative thinker, this type of parents. And the, the point is that we did, I don't think there is many, it's a mess, you know, many parents don't care at all. Many parents have very uh, contrary opinions about education. Many parents don't know what was going in schools. There is educated parents which are focused on the performance, the educated parents which are focused on this type of, so it's uh, very hard to, describe this field of, uh, of parents. It's very diverse and uh, the opinions. So uh, what I think is uh, that uh, there was a big push to this long uh, grammar schools, Vicilata Gymnasia, uh, as uh, the quality of the second uh, of the of the of the of the middle schools in Chicago is not uh, so great. There was a big push to the Vicilata Gymnasia. And now I think many people who goes there actually goes there uh, from our data when we ask the parents uh, what was the motivation. There's a big part of parents, especially in the regions where uh, around 15, 20% of the kids leave the uh, normal schools. The parents says that the main motivation is that they are afraid that the normal schools will get worse, you know. So that's, I call it uh, induction of demand, you know, that actually uh, kids leaving kind of creates a demand that my kid has to leave too, because of course, you know, it will get much worse, the, the schools, after all the kids, uh, uh, all the clever kids from the um, middle class leaves, you know. So uh, it's kind of continuing this demand for the for the Vicilata Gymnasia, and I think I don't think it's a problem in the majority of Czech Republic, but in the third of Czech Republic, it's, it's a problem which are kind of destroying the, the main, uh, main uh, schools, but, uh, the, the the motivations itself among uh, younger educated parents are changing. They are not so focused on the performance, and they are focused on these modern uh, things like you said Montessori or Heineho Metoda and so on. Uh, five years ago, this method of uh, teaching math was like uh, refused by parents, you know, and now it's. Uh, Parents want it so much that even it's even taught by people who doesn't understand it, you know. So it, it lacks quality after all, you know. So it's changing, and I think people who have kids in uh, in elementary schools uh, they have uh, very different opinions than kids who have uh, kids uh, in you know ninth grade and so on. So it will change. Uh, and I think demand for these things will increase and uh, demand for this uh, performance-based education uh, will decrease, but we are keeping it up by this induction of demand because you are afraid that the, your school will get worse, you know. So that's some inspiration what to work on. And uh, of course there's increasing number of private schools which I don't know if you know it, uh, they have almost, some of them have almost 100% public financing like public schools in Sugar Republic. So one, one person came to Sugar Republic and said, you are only country who has Milton Friedman voucher system, uh, you know, one of the countries which actually have it, you know, because it is actually almost voucher system in Sugar Republic. Okay, we are coming uh, to the, I would like to also let the audience to ask a few questions at the end, but before we do it, uh, if we want to have a change, and I feel from this discussion that we would like to have some change in the educational system, uh, always any change starts with the first step. What would be your recommendation for the first step uh, we should undertake? John. You know, we're supposed to talk about Budutsnosti, uh, right? Um, nobody's been to the future, right? Um, so nobody has the right answers. Not a single person in this room has the right answers. But I think together, I think that the room itself is, is smart enough. So what I think what we need to do is enable the conditions in which we can find the answers to all this together. And that's the first step, is to enable it. Thank you. Daniel, what's your opinion about the first step? Uh, I will do the first step, which sounds boring, and it, but I think it's a precondition for any change in Czech education. 
is to change uh, managing of just schools. We have uh, we have around four four thousand uh, schools. Um, I mean, elementary, and middle schools, which are run by two thousand uh, municipalities, and nobody is responsible for the quality. Nobody like actually manage the system and the financing doesn't help the schools which are operating in poor areas and needs this money for uh, psychologists, uh, you know, some better teachers and so on. So change the managing and financing of Czech schools to make it more uh, transparent and make it help schools which actually needs to cope with the, with the uh, social problems in the regions and so on. And I think that's why any other change is impossible because we don't have that, you know. And uh, you know it from the, uh, I talked about the Kernov uh, example, which is one of the very few examples of the segregation of uh, in Czech education system. And Mr. Handlier, who is the director of Kernov, who is my personal hero, he uh, they managed to desegregate it without losing the quality of education. And there's like 80% of Roma kids, but he still tells us that it's so hard to implement these programs on all the schools so you don't have this uh, competing, you know, that they would say, okay, you do so much for the Roma kids, they will go to your school, you know. And there is so there is this like a bad competition that when you help, when you focus on helping kids from not only Roma but kids from Ukraine and kids from uh, poor background, that you are actually punished for it because you know in Czech education when nobody manages it, the kids are sent to your school. Uh, so and until we change this, any of this you know regional pilots you know and piloting something in one uh, school and so on doesn't help because it doesn't get through the system to the majority of the schools. So that's a thing which I would change, the managing of the schools. To change the financing of schools could be also a big barrier for the for these managers of schools because they might be satisfied with the way they, are, they get financed now. I mean, there are, if you talk with any director of the schools, they are, uh, they are overwhelmed with the, uh, with the financing. They are running eight, ten European fund programs. They are uh, asking for money every year for the school, social psychologist. So they cannot even hire a psychologist or some, uh, ped uh, some uh, type of teachers because they cannot promise them that they will stay on the school for the next five years. You know, It's horribly, horribly fragmented and uh, administratively it's administrative hell, the financing of Czech schools, and uh, it needs to be changed to some change uh, in the content, for example. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the change of financing of also universities right. based on, <laughs> on the added value. On, and the biggest barrier at the end, which, which I found over the last 10 years, is in the academic field. They, they right. don't want to have this change. But anyway, uh, we are coming to the end of the session and I would like to ask the audience if they have some questions which you can answer. We can use the, the presence of two experts in Ostrava, so please feel free if anybody has a question. Any? So Daniel and I will be at the festival the next two days too. So you can find us and yeah. find a way to spark some smarter conversations around the festival too. That's the whole point. Okay, so uh, there are no questions, so I would like to maybe ask for the last sentence first, John. Hi. <laughs> what's what's your sentence. dream, dream about the future? You know, I think, I think a dream about, about the future is that we've got kids and uh, families who really get excited and love going to school. Um, sharing new knowledge with each other. We've got communities um, working together in smart ways. Um, you know, that, that's really my dream. Thank you, Daniel. Your last dream expression? Uh, I would say I'm very hopeful for the uh, young generation because uh, sometimes uh, they come to me and they talk about a book from my colleagues or the book I wrote, you know, and they have so much understanding for the problems in Czech society, which I would, uh, I, I didn't have until I was 30 or something like that, you know, and I could only dream of uh, being so educated and understanding the social problems and the problems in education 
which uh, some of these kids have when they are on high school, you know. So it makes me hopeful that it's actually much, much better than uh, than uh, when I was uh, when I was in high school. This understanding of the of the problems of the society. Anyway, thank you both, gentlemen, for your dreams, for your wishes to to change the educational system. I follow your dream. I also am looking forward to when the financing system will be changed in the Czech Republic. I'm also a little bit skeptical about this because I'm talking about it for maybe 15 years now and I don't see really big changes and my personal experiences are that, that the directors of school are, are under such a big pressure that even bad students are not expelled because they would be missing money which they get for these bad students. Um, so, um, and I had one employee and he was not even able after the gymnasium to write uh, a proposal. He was making grammar failures and I watched his exams, the, the maturitní vysvětšení, and he had uh, number two in Czech language, which is the second best because you have it different in the United States. And I called the director, uh, why this guy who is writing now, Bujitka, uh, he's having number two at, at the, the, the exam uh, at Maturita. And the director told me, well, if I would expel him, I would lose 40,000 per semester. So, and he's dyslectic, so he, he, can, he is entitled to have better exam because of that. So I hope that the pilots are not dyslectic in many fields. I hope that they had the exams according to their real knowledge and they don't have just formal tests, but they have the tests of their real, uh, real knowledge. So once more, thank you. Uh, thank you all for, for listening to us. Um, so I think we should thank also to our two guests who arrived from Prague and from the US to Ostrava. Thank, thank you. you.